Hello, everyone, and welcome to All Shall Be Well. I'm Anne Boyd, host of All Shall Be Well, a podcast by InterVarsity's Women in the Academy and Professions. We're here to support women in their God-given callings into the university and beyond. So if you're a graduate student or a faculty member, an administrator or a student in professional school, a scholar in between jobs, or simply a person who supports women in the academic world, then this podcast is for you. Let me invite you into a conversation with Teremy Eccles, the newly appointed publisher of InterVarsity Press. We at The Well have a special fondness for InterVarsity Press and the books they publish, many of which have been featured on this podcast, and so I was especially delighted to talk with Teremy. In our conversation, you'll hear Teremy's thoughts as she is poised to take InterVarsity Press into a new season of leadership, and you'll also hear about her significant professional accomplishments, many of which she managed while raising a family. Hot tip, listen for Teremy's story about the strategy she had for balancing a full-time job while homeschooling one of her children who needed a little extra help in school. It's quite a story. And I think you'll really enjoy getting to know Teremy. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Teremy Eccles is president and publisher of InterVarsity Press. Before coming to IVP in December 2017 as director of finance and fulfillment operations, she worked for nearly two decades at Christianity Today International, most recently as the executive vice president and Chief Publishing Officer. Teremy graduated from Chadwick University with an MBA, is a member of the Illinois CPA Society, and received a certificate from Yale University School of Management on publishing print and digital media. So let's dive right in. We're so glad you're here with us. I've researched your story a little bit, and mm-hmm. um, I'm eager to hear about some of the highlights of your career so far and sure. your vision for the future of InterVarsity Press. But I'd love for us to open by getting to know you on a more personal level. So mm-hmm. let's start from the very beginning. What was little Teremy like? Oh, gosh, little Teremy. Uh, Teremy was always a bookworm. <laughs> surprise surprise yes I I was a bookworm actually so much so that my brothers and sisters used to call me an L7 which was a square (laughs) and they used to walk around the house with their fingers you know doing an L and a seven and call me a square so (laughs) because I used to love to read when uh, people were you know outside playing I'd be sitting on the porch reading a book because I love to read um, so that was that was you know who I was and, and the thing that I love to do the most. Um, I also was um, I actually had loved to play sports as well. I had the best arm in our neighborhood um, when playing football. So I was a girl that liked to play football. I liked the rough sports. Good for you. <laughs> so I was always kind of pushing the envelope a little bit as a, as a, as even as a young woman. So so where did you? Where did you grow up? Oh, I grew up on the south side of Chicago. 
and we were we had this little four block radius around us that all the people in that area you know we took care of our homes and it was very much like um you know it takes a village if like you did something wrong your mother knew about it before you got home and you were at you were you were likely to be disciplined by the woman you know by the woman down the street as much as you were your own parents it was a very great neighborhood to grow up in. A lot of challenges too. Um, being a mixed, being a mixed child, you, you never really quite feel, felt like you fit in. Um, and some days, you know, you'd have to fight your way home. <laughs> but uh, it made me who I am today. So I'm used to those those challenges. It's in life. So and it sounds like an extended family. Yes, you did. You had an extended family because your neighbors were, they really were a part of your family. You got to know them really well. And, um, you know, if you had, if you had issues or challenges, you could go to a neighbor, you know, in the same way that you might go home and talk to your mom. So mm -hmm. they were all, there was always somebody there. That's wonderful. You mentioned your mixed heritage. Can you tell us mm -hmm. more about that? Sure. Um, my mother is uh, Japanese and my dad is a mixture of being Italian, African-American, and then also some Cherokee Indian. So my mom used to say we were the United Nations growing up. Um, but <laughs> so, but I definitely identify as an African-American woman. Uh, my mom, who even though she was Japanese, uh, very much made sure that we understood who we were and how we would be perceived in the United States. So she did a very good job of raising us as uh, young as of, as black as black uh, professionals, as black you know children, trying to make sure that we understood our heritage and also understood the idea that we had to uh, bear the weight. And what I would say is bear the weight of the person who came behind us. Mm -hmm. So my mother was very instrumental in that. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, tell me more about um, how where you moved next. You know, when you were in high school, how did you begin to sure. pursue your professional pursuits? Sure. Um, well, I, um, I went to a technical high school in our in our neighborhood. Um, it was Lindblom Technical. It was um, a school that was, you know, to get you prepped for um, college. And I had a I had a little detour when I was um, when I was in school, I actually be, I was a teen mom, which mm -hmm. very few people know that. And um, actually, uh, I did finish high school. Um, one of the things that was a bit, actually a bit rare in our neighborhood mm -hmm. um, is that uh, most, uh, if you know, teen moms, they you know, sort of, sort of. It sounds like the more classic thing where you didn't finish school. You know, there was uh, public assistance and all of those things. But um, for me, it was more. I needed to finish. I knew I needed to finish school. Education was something that was central in my in our home and went on to college and I actually worked my way through college and I worked a full-time job and went to school full-time so wow. <laughs> it was a lot <laughs> wow well, and did you did your parents help with child care um actually there was a uh, an older woman that lived on the corner of my neighborhood uh, Mrs. Mathis and she was the most phenomenal woman. She told me, she actually did it for a living, but she told me as long as I stayed in school that she would watch my, my daughter for me uh, 
at half the cost that she paid that everyone else was paying at that time, which seemed like phenomenal, you know, a phenomenal rate. Yeah. Um, but she would actually watch my daughter uh, while I was working and going to school. And I paid half the cost of everyone else. So back then, I think I was paying like $35 a week for her to watch my daughter wow. while I was working. So yeah, so that's why I said it takes a neighborhood. She was absolutely the most wonderful woman. But she was also an encouragement with regard to me, you know, remaining in school and making a way for me to continue through school. Hmm, what a gift. Mm-hmm. So once you were um, out of school, tell us the next chapter. Okay, once I was out of school, then I actually started working in accounting, which um, my, I, my chosen field initially was that I was going to be a teacher because I loved math. And my mom, who was actually uh, going to school for accounting, we actually went to school together for a while, hmm. um, which was actually really fun. Uh, we, we went to school together at DePaul for a while. But um, she said, well, you don't want to be a teacher. Teachers don't make any money. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you need to become an accountant. So that's how I ended up choosing the accounting field um, because it was numbers oriented. And I really I actually really enjoyed it. Um, and so accounting, and then I thought, well, accounting and finance, those two things I think will be the thing that I'll go for. So that's kind of what I did is I went to school, got my accounting degree, got my master's, um, just continued through school. And, um, and then I just, you know, I worked for a public accounting firm for a while and uh, eventually ended up at Christianity Today through my church because I asked, um, I had had a career a little bit, you know, a little bit of a career in, in accounting. And, but I thought to myself at one point, you know, Lord, if you can use an accountant in some way, I don't know how you can use an accountant. <laughs> was what I, this is my actual prayers. Right. I don't know how you can use an accountant, but if you can find a way to use an accountant, I would love to work in a ministry for you. And um, I actually, the next day at my church up on the bulletin board, I, I probably had walked past it before, but there was this job for Christianity Today. And it was for a business administrator, which was the person who was over their accounting area. So I ended up going to Christianity Today and I ended up getting the job. So did that and went all over the place there. Um, but I actually ended up doing um, advertising sales and then um, um, during that time, and then I was asked to take on the pu- publishing of Christianity Today, become the publisher of Christianity Today. And uh, that was truly a blessing. Um, we, uh, at the time, Christianity Today had been in the red for a number of years, and one of my goals was to bring it into the black. And I had a phenomenal team of people working with me who actually helped us meet that, meet that goal of ma- uh, getting it into the black. And then I was asked to take on everything, which was uh, the chief publishing officer, which I took on leadership and a number of other titles at the time. So as I look back, I could see his hand and how he actually taught me and schooled me along the way and and brought me through each one of those phases in order to prepare me. But at the time when I was walking through it, I was like, I don't know what you're doing, but this doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) Well, and what I love about your story is, um, is the way you clearly had forks in the road, you know, at, at so mm-hmm. many different places, uh, mm-hmm. so many different spots along the journey. And I think many of our listeners, many women who are professionals, who are juggling um, 
family concerns and hoping oh, to, you know, grow in their professional development. Mm. You know, there are always these questions, you know, is now the time, should I take this job? And so hearing your, your experience and how I think we can tell that it felt at the time a little bit like a patchwork quilt, but that it mm -hmm. ended up in a, in a beautiful way. Yes, yes, it is. It's like God takes these disparate pieces and somehow makes them into this beautiful mosaic that you, we couldn't have even begun to imagine. And I have two beautiful daughters, two uh, two beautiful daughters that you know during time that I've you know grown and they're grown now. I can't believe I have two adult daughters and I have two adult grandchildren. Wow. <laughs> <So> <laughs> are all doing well and I was like I feel very blessed um tell mm -hmm. me tell me more about um one of the things that a lot of our listeners um are in the middle of managing is this mm -hmm. balance of work and parenthood especially with young children mm -hmm. tell us how that worked for you um well for me I think one of the challenges that uh, at least I, I battle with is that you battle with the time, the quality versus quantity. Mm -hmm. And people often feel that if I spend a lot of time, it makes all the difference. Um, if I can, you know, since you've got to car carve out like tons and tons of time. And I think that at least I found is that it's really about the quality of the time that I spent with my children, um, reading to them at night, um, being making sure that I was at their events, like if they had soccer or finding ways in order to do that. Um, there was a time where with my youngest, I actually had to carve out time where um, school was a challenge for her. So I had to carve out where I was working full time and I was homeschooling her at the same time. Wow. <laughs> it's like, how do you do that? Right. <laughs> but uh, so and then always trying to make sure that I made myself available to them that as they struggled with different things that I could be there and and they could talk to me about the things that they had. It's like um, being a parent versus being a friend. It's like trying to find that balance of both. Um, was one of the things that I worked very hard on because I wanted them to be able to come to me to talk to me about some of the difficulties that they might have, especially when you're in high school. Mm -hmm. It's high school now is a very diff different time than when I was in high school. It's very much more difficult than it was before, uh, especially when you have Facebook and all of the things, all the dynamics that are a part of their lives now. Um, but finding a place where we could actually just, and we always sat down to dinner, my husband and I, and my, and my girls, we, we would, every night we were together for dinner. <laughs> it was like, no matter what yeah. we had to carve out, but this was the thing that was important that we actually spend the time together as family for dinner and had the time to talk together. Hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Now you dropped this little thing about homeschooling your daughter while you <laughs> <laughs> got to come back to this. <laughs> I know. How did how did you make that happen? You, I mean, we all only have twenty four hours in a day. Was, I know. Is that yeah? Did you have well, support I actually from had... your your was your, was your employer supportive at that time? I mean, how how did how did it happen? Oh, let's see. Well, I had um, at the time my employer wasn't super supportive mm -hmm. of it. So what I did is I actually had a a daycare provider um, that um, and she wasn't necessarily super supportive either <laughs> about, okay. you know, handling homework and doing all that kind of stuff. So actually every morning, my daughter and I would get up early. Thankfully she was an early bird. So we would get up early every morning and we would go through her lessons. 
and um, and I we would go through them multiple different ways because sometimes I used to say you know 85% of the kids learn one way and then the other 15% learn a different way mm -hmm. and my daughter was one of the 15% so sometimes it was a challenge to try to figure out what was the best way in which to teach her things so but we would get up every morning very early go through all of her lessons she would have homework that she would do and then when she was at the at the sitter she would do her homework and then when I would come home in the evenings we would sit down together and go through her assignments and talk them through and then we would start it over again so yeah it was a it was an interest it was I did it for about a year and a half and it was one of the challenge most challenging year and a half that I ever had in my life but um, but we we were able to make it through wow all right so we've we've caught up through Christianity today and then I think mm -hmm. at some point after that there was another chapter yes tell us about that yeah, actually, after I left Christianity Today, I kind of felt called to rest as <laughs> for a time of rest because I've been I'd been there for just about 20 years and wow. I was <laughs> well deserved. <laughs> <laughs> I was I felt like I needed a rest so I actually took my rest was actually a year and a half and I actually took that time off and I worked with my mom my mom has an accounting firm um, brilliant solutions group that she worked that she and my mom is is 81 and uh, she has her own accounting firm and it does she's doing extremely well she actually gets up every morning this is where I get it from she does two hours of yoga first thing in the morning and runs five miles every night wow <laughs> yeah every evening at nine o'clock 81 years miles. old 81 years old wow. so yeah <laughs> so so that determination comes right from that gene pool yeah. <laughs> right there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I worked with her for about a year and a half. And then um, as a part of that, about a, about a year end, I think Jeff actually, we, he and I had got, uh, been to, uh, we actually participated in a meeting uh, when I was at CT uh, several years before I left CT, where we were talking about how to expand uh, Ivy, uh, InterVarsity Press and Christianity Today into minority audiences. How are we going to be able to do that when, you know, minority audiences were growing so dramatically, so, you know, within the church? So how do we, how do we help these, re these the resources that they had, those two, uh, those two entities had, and how do we get them into, you know, the African-American church, into the Hispanic church? How do we do this? And so we had this, um, this conversation. And Jeff said he remembered me from that conversation. <laughs> I said, I don't know what I said. I was like, oh, and I said, I'm very afraid. He says, no, I remember you from that conversation. And he actually sought me out and sent me an email to tell me that he had become the publisher here at InterVarsity Press. And he had thought he might have a role that I might be interested in. Mm. Um, so I told him that I'd be, I said that I was happy doing what I was doing, but I'd be happy to listen to him and that I would pray about it because I really want to feel led into whatever it is that I do. Um, that's very important for me. I found, you know, and even it, as I said, even in my nose, I was like, I do pray and I, you know, ask God, where, what is it that you would have me do? Hmm. And so uh, we talked for about 18 months, I think, before I actually joined IVP um, as their uh, director of finance and fulfillment operations.
Um, but it, it was a, it was a blessing to me, um, but it did, you know, I wanted to take time to pray about it. And he was very patient <laughs> about that time, the time that I needed in order to be sure that this was what God would have me do. And so you, you held that position for a few years before your new position now as publisher. Is that right? Yes. It's uh, for about three and a half years, a little over three and a half years. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And so tell us now about this new, this, it has not yet um, unfolded much your, your new role with university press. Yes. This is my, the beginning of my third week. Congratulations. (laughs) Yes. Oh, it's like the publishing job is, um, it is, it is, it's expansive in a lot of ways. And I think the biggest thing that I love about the the role now is that, um, is just looking at possibilities of dreaming. One of the things you often hear, and I've actually been hearing this for about 10 years now, has been that book publishing is is ripe for disruption. So it's like, so now is the time that we have to um, do a little forward, forward looking to see, you know, what is that next phase of what does, you know, book publishing look like, or are we truly book publishers? Are we something else as well? Hmm. Hmm. Well, and I think that that brings us up into this moment in history. Let me bring it around to um, the issues of race and racism, because I know mm-hmm. that university press, this is an important thing um, to, to bring healing mm-hmm. around that issue into the world. So can you tell us more about what IVP is doing? Sure. Um, one of the things that um, I love about IVP and it makes me, it's like, um, there's a, I, would, I don't want to be prideful, but at the same time, there's a certain level of pride that I have in the organization and um, the work that it tries to do in educating the church mm-hmm. on uh, on social justice issues, um, race issues, um, trying to bring it to the forefront, how to have a conversation um, bringing more um, office of color to actually talk about, you know, like reading while black, what mm-hmm. it was it like to be, you know, grow up in, you know, to grow up in a black church, to hear the history of the black church and to understand how so many of us were formed by that church and what it means to us and how, you know, the definition of what those things do and how it, how we look at things. Um, and then even some of the challenging questions that we have, you know, is, you know, is the Jesus of, you know, of the white church, the same Jesus that I know, is that same Jesus going to save me in the same way that it would save someone else. So um, it, so the, just the idea that it's bringing along that conversation, and it's actually creating space for the church to learn in a way that it may not, in some ways, it challenges the church, you know, in a lot of ways, it challenges to church to learn differently and to actually be open to other ways of thinking when it comes to those things. And that's the thing that I love most about IVP is just the, the idea that it's willing to, in some ways, go out on the edge of, um, you know, it's with um, on the edge of, you know, Christian society and say, hey, you know what, this is a conversation we really need to be having. So you need to figure out how to have this conversation because it's coming, (laughs) you know, it's going to impact you. Um, And so that's something that I love that we do. And we're very upfront about it. We're unapologetic about it, which I think we need to be, um, that we need to be willing to, to fight that good fight. Um, because it, it's important for 
us as Christians, as the body of Christ, to learn how to, to how to how to live, you know, live a, a a life where we've actually come together, you know, and it's you know the old saying of Sunday being <laughs> the most segregated time of the church. It's like uh, some of that is starting to disappear, mm-hmm. and I would love to think that some of the things that people are learning uh, in this time, and some of the things that hopefully they've learned from university and how to engage in conversation better, is actually helping with that. Well, and I, I love the way that you're describing books as conversation starters, that, mm-hmm. um, that that's something that people can take with them as a nugget of, of truth or something to mm-hmm. stimulate um, new ideas and then take it into their church. And I've, I know I've, I've, I've seen that in my own church as well. So I'm grateful mm-hmm. for IVP. So um, many of our listeners are in graduate school and professional school, and a fair number number of them are writers themselves. So mm-hmm. I I just want to ask, um, do you have any advice for women who might aspire to write and publish a book in the future? Oh wow! I'd say write, keep writing. I think we all have a story to tell um, or something that is uh, they, especially writers. God is giving you a gift. And regardless of um, whether it's IVP, which of course, in many ways, I would love that if it was something that was for IVP, but the church needs to hear from women um, mm-hmm. on in every aspect of life, um, whether it's, you know, raising children, being a single mom and raising children, whether it's being a professional, um, whether it's in academia and how you, how you manage I think that um, women have a great gift to give to the church. Um, And we are, I think we are just beginning to, um, in some places, not all places, um, we are just beginning to find our voice. And I think that um, I would say, keep writing, um, try to make sure that you're getting in front of the right people. And there there will be a lot of no's before you hear the yes, but don't grow weary. I say, don't grow weary because there is a yes there somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, You just need to find the right place for that voice. And there are many, many publishers out here that can help to expand your voice. And Mm -hmm. I think that that you just have to find the right place. That's wonderful. All right. Well, we're nearing the end of our interview, but I can't let us finish without asking you about your favorite books. Can you tell me? about a few titles that have changed you over the years or been very significant? Sure, I can tell, I can give you a couple of titles that I know. Um, Some of them are um, books that are from IVP and some are not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Of course, Knowing God is one of, you know, it's an all-time classic. Um, It just, it, uh, something that it's dense, Mm -hmm. um, but it challenges you. It's a lot of good stuff. There's a book called Nevertheless, and it came to me at a time in my life when I was, I was feeling challenged in a lot of ways all over the place. And it really talks about uh, just the word nevertheless, and it talks about how many times it's in, you know, you find it in the Bible, and it's like, it's always, there's this challenge, and it says, nevertheless, you know, your word, Lord, your word be done. Mm. So it was sort of that, you know, this, so even in the challenge, there's this word that this small word that actually says, you know what, I am here with you. 
And for the, and during that season of my life, it changed so much for me to know that um, God was, uh, he was worried about the little things in my life, the things that I felt really challenged by. And it may not have been a challenge for someone else, but for me, it was a challenge that that one little word and that one book made such a difference for me. And I was like, I still remember it says, nevertheless, it's mentioned 66 times in the Bible. Wow. <laughs> And in those 66 times, it is always you're against a challenge, but God, but God is more, God is faithful. Mm. God is stronger than this challenge. God is here through this challenge. So that made a, a tremendous, that was a tremendous book for me during that time. And then the other book, which is actually something which I mentioned earlier, which has been um, a very, I mean, every, I think I read, I've read the Enneagram book, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Road Back to You. Sure. That's been an interesting book for me. <laughs> I was like, when I found out when I found out what my Enneagram was, I was like going, I don't know if I like me. <laughs> well, they say that that means you pick the right one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if it makes you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. So, and then it's like, but my, which is interesting because I'm a five and then my healthy, when I'm at my healthiest, I'm functioning as an eight. So I was like going, oh, but I love an eight. Uh-huh. I said, so I must be functioning as an eight all the time. <laughs> So it was interesting because at, you know, here at IVP, it was a big thing, you know, because that's one of our books. So when I first came on board, I was like, Enneagram, I don't, I don't understand. I didn't get it. Um, But it's actually been interesting to learn more about it and to actually, you know, see how it fits, you know, in different things and how I look at different things. So Mm -hmm. that's been interesting. And then I'd say the last book, which is a, and it's actually a combination of books. Um, Um. Reading While Black has been a has been very interesting to me, um, primarily because I didn't necess- I didn't grow up in the black church, hmm. um, so it was very much a history for me. Um, my grandfather was uh, went to a Baptist church, and I went with him to church. And, you know, every so often he would come and pick us up and take us to church with him. So, but I didn't grow up in in the African American church, so it was a very interesting to just um, read it and understand. Um, it gave me some understandings into my grandfather that, you know, and his history, and then uh, more of an understanding and a history into my father's upbringing and things in the church. So that was very interesting to me. Um, and it, it changed um, how I understood the black church and the, um, the importance that it had in in the in our lives um, and how it formed how it formed my father how I formed my grandfather and then even indirectly how it formed me even though I what I didn't attend an African-American church when I was growing up so uh, and then the other one is um, uh, rethinking incarceration it is um it really talks about how the church needs to come you know come along it talks about you know some of the dynamics of uh, the number of, of, of African Americans that have been incarcerated, but it right. also talks about redemption and how uh, the church needs to come alongside. Um, that the church is really should be church should be responsible for the redemptive work, mm. not the actual, um, you know, the prison system because um, it's going to be imperfect in what the prison system is doing and how the church can walk alongside um, prison ministries or you know and actually help reform. Uh, 
people who have been in prison. So that's been a, a very interesting and in how, you know, you can work with governments and all, uh, the church can work alongside governments and the change that could take place if the church became more involved and did the thing that it, it was, it should be doing mm. with regard to that. So those things have been very um, eye-opening for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that is a, that's a great list of books and we mm -hmm. will, um, we'll link to all of those in mm -hmm. our, our page that we have at the well, um, that okay. tells people more about, um, you and this, this podcast episode. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, absolutely. And it's just been a joy to talk with you. Thanks for taking the time to share your life with us at the well and with all shall be well. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate the, the time with you as well. It's been fun. Well, after that conversation, I have to say that I'm really excited about the future of InterVarsity Press and eager to watch the good work they'll be doing. What a gift to have someone with Teremi's combination of professional expertise and rich life experience leading that publishing house into their next era. I'm grateful to Teremi for sharing her story with us, and I'm grateful for you being with us as well. All Shall Be Well is hosted by me, Anne Boyd, and is a production of InterVarsity's Women in the Academy and Professions. We acknowledge that the opinions of our guests may not necessarily represent the ministry doctrine or policies of InterVarsity. You can find more information about our podcast and the other cool things we're doing at thewell.intervarsity.org. Our work is funded solely through the donations of our listeners and supporters, so if you enjoyed this podcast, you might consider joining our support team by donating even 5 or $10 per month. You can find out how to do this at give2iv.org slash thewell or through our donation link at thewell. And as we close, let me read a brief excerpt from one of the books Teremi mentioned, Reading While Black by Esau Macaulay. This book began with a claim, namely that the black ecclesial tradition, of which I am one of many heirs, has the distinctive message of hope arising from its reading of biblical texts. This message of hope is not simply a thing of the past. It is living and active having the ability to provide a way forward for black believers who continue to turn to the scriptures for guidance. Thanks for joining us at All Shall Be Well. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>